they let you uh, get resituated. Uh, if you had to move around, that's fine. Uh, it's certainly acceptable to get yourself repositioned. So, so today we're again in our study on Exodus, the book of Exodus. We're going uh, basically verse by verse, chapter by chapter, passage by passage maybe is a better, better way. Of back in our study of Exodus, the guys, some of the guys are passing the notes out, so I'll uh, just be patient and they'll, they'll get to. I think, I think I've got all the words underlined that, uh, that you'll need to, to fill in your blank. Uh, I don't know about you, but I play a little game with Pastor Sam. I try to fill out the word before we get there. Does anybody else do that? No, no, And let me just say, just fill in Jesus. Just go with Jesus. When he said who was the most important man in Cheryl's life, I was almost going to yell, Jesus! Uh, he was like, me. I was like, oh, still didn't get it right. Um, so, are the lights off acceptable? These lights off acceptable to you all? That's, I'm dark on there, but I don't know if anybody's on. So, um, the shiny head, the gl- I glisten up that one. Yeah. Now, I learned years ago horses sweat, men perspire, women glisten. So, I'm perspiring, but not glistening. So, so, victory today, not just victory in Exodus, but victory in ministry. And uh, I, t- I shared with Michelle that I kind of debated about including this, today's message in last week's message uh, when I was preparing it, but felt love of the Lord that it's actually two different messages. So we're going to cover a little bit of what we talked about last week, so there might be some common themes, some things that you'll second time, maybe because you didn't pick up on it, I don't know, maybe because I didn't pick up on it, uh, or, or learn it the way I needed to, but uh, we're going to look back just a little bit, and we're going to see some uh, a few redundancies, but that's okay. In Exodus chapter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 18, uh, and when they came to Reuel, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us. And watered the flock, and he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why was it that thou, uh, why was it that, that ye have left the man? Call him, that he may eat blood. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And Moses, and he gave Moses a pearls, his daughter, and she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. So, you may remember, for those of you who were here last week, that the, the, the beginning of this story is based on, and we're just going to go back a little bit in the passage, right, um, in verse uh, verse 16, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and filled the troughs uh, to water their flocks. And the shepherds came, not the good shepherds like at Christmas time, not the cute, like precious moments shepherds, <laughs> you know, the nice little, these are more like, more like cowboy shepherds, right? I'm your huckleberry shepherds. That might go and spit. So these shepherds, they're not the nice shepherds. 
shepherds, and they came and drove them away. So literally, they're kind of stealing from these girls, right? Because these girls have invested the time to fill the traps to, to, to water or to allow the sheep to drink, right? And now the shepherds drive them away. It's like, oh, well, thank you very much. And then we'll jump in and we'll let our sheep water in the traps, and then you'll just have to deal with it when we're done. Now, in verse 18, they come back to their father, this priest of Midian, and, and he is like, how is it that you got here so quick? Like, this is abnormal. And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also do water enough for us and water the flock. Almost as if it's happened before. I don't know, maybe not. I might be reading into it a little bit. But he's surprised at how quickly they got back. So they had water, they put water in the traps. The shepherds tried to drive them away. Uh, Moses steps in and kind of protects them. They then water the flocks and then they make it home. All that's occurred and their dad is still surprised at how quick they're back. So I'm, I think it's a reasonable assumption that they've been dealing with this problem, right? And we looked last week at some of our of our favorite, and it's my favorite because I get to make the slide back, my favorite antagonist, the bullies, right? So we talked about Scott Farkas, and we talked about uh, Johnny Lawrence, and we, and we talked about, who was the other one? I forgot. I'm, uh, Mike Renault. No, 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 not Mike Renault. Uh, who was the other one that was? Oh, the Mean Girls, but who was the other one? the future, right? And how most antagonists, most bullies in stories like this, they have they actually have their own issues that they're dealing with, right? But what we'll see here in our situation, so the situation struggle and victory, like we always do, Moses stands up for the daughters of the priest of Midian against the shepherds. Now there are seven daughters, we don't know how they are. They probably felt overwhelmed by the shepherds, but this one strikingly handsome children of Israel that actually looks like an Egyptian steps in, pick on somebody who owns house, maybe goes, where's the gun show? You know, I don't know exactly what Moses did to stand up for him, but he does. And you'll see that he gets involved when he didn't have to. He could have just turned, not my monkey, not my circus, right? I walked away. He, he definitely didn't have to get involved. But the Lord uses it. Notice our, our three scripture references here all out of the book of Psalms. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? There are times when God will use people, in this case Moses, right, to stand up against the workers of iniquity. The, the psalmist here is crying out, he's, he's actually crying out for God. You see that in Psalm 109. I will greatly praise the Lord, for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor, to save uh, him from those that condemn his soul. So it's God that is the deliverer, but sometimes he chooses to use the hand of a person to be that deliverer. We see that all through scripture. That's, I mean, that's, there's uh, no hands or buts. We see time after time. The book of Judges is full of the uh, deliverance at the hand of a person, but with the power of God on them. Right? Even in Psalm 140, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. 
it's it's the poor of uh, Ruachlarov in Exodus 2 are these seven daughters, these presumably fairly young women, maybe not, but, but they're certainly able to be overcome. But the Lord uses Moses. Right? He uses them. Now we're going to see this victory in ministry because Moses stepped up when he didn't have to. Okay? He didn't, he didn't have to. And I believe what I said this at the beginning uh, last week, but I think the reason this is, a part of the reason this is memorialized in Scripture is Moses is giving an account of that which was important and I would argue pivotal in his personal development as a leader. He knows he's killed a dude, yet God, God forgives him of that. And he says, God says later, we saw last week in Exodus 3, that it's not by, my, not by thy hand, Moses, that, I, that, that the children of Israel will be delivered from the, from the Egyptians. It's by me, by God, that's how the deliverance will happen. So Moses has to learn that he can't just always interject himself and deliver with his hand. While that may seem like a contrast here, I think his presence, his standing up for these women, was kind of enough to cause the, the, the cowboy shepherds to back down. They probably thought it was easy pickings. Now, there is no reason to believe that Moses intervened to get something in return. There's no evidence in Scripture that Moses does this because he thinks he can get something in return or get something for standing up for these ladies. Right? Notice in Luke chapter 6, 35 and 36, Do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. Be therefore merciful, as your God is also merciful. When you serve, when you minister to folks, don't do it hoping to get something in return. Because that means you're doing it in the flesh. By definition. You're trying to get something. Like, it should be a one-way street. I am giving to you for no other reason than to bless the Lord. If that, okay, if you're wanting to get, if that's the thing you get in return, okay, fine, because then you get a lines of scripture. Can you get joy from ministering to someone? Absolutely. And that, that's fine. But that should be enough. Moses probably walked away from this situation and had, I'll just call it, a good feeling. Like, he did the right thing. But, I mean, he wasn't expecting these girls, that, these, these daughters, to be able to provide him anything. There's no reason to believe he followed them home, right? Because their dad's like, where is this guy that helped you? And he's not tailing along. He's not looking for some blessing. He's just trusting that he ministered, and it's okay. He ministered, and it's okay. So this is our first victory principle this week. Do the right things for the right reasons. Don't do things, don't minister to people, hoping to get something in return. I think I've shared with, this with you before, but I've had to learn this as a, as a developing minister. There were times that I wanted people to see that I was ministering. And, and literally sinful 
sinful condition in my, in my case that I had to confess to the Lord and I had to get right was that I wanted people to know I was involved. Wrong of me. But honestly, all of that time and all of that energy will burn, and those things will burn at the judgment seat. Because there's wood and stubble. And I had to learn to minister the right way, the right time, for the right reasons, expecting nothing in return. I'm just investing in eternity. I'm just investing in eternity. And you may say, hey, that, that's a form of, of, of expecting something in return. But it's in line with Scripture that I'm not doing it for now. I'm doing it for the Mitch Dodson that will live on for eternity, the one that will cast you know, the, himself at the feet of Jesus, right? I mean, it's not about so that I can feel better about myself here. So, again, do the right things, but do them for the right reasons. If you want to sign up to help out with security, to help in this meeting, then need people. But, and this is, you're going to laugh. Don't do it so you can worry well enough. Tell me who would do well anyway. But, well, I mean, you get to worry well enough. But don't do it so that you can be seen as a security guard. Or don't do it so that you can have some sort of authority. Because there are some people that like to minister that way. They think, well, I'll sign up because that means I'm important now. You're doing it wrong. You're not investing. You might be investing the right things, but not for the right, or you might be doing the right things, but not investing for the right reasons. Invest for the right reasons. So it brings us to our struggle. So that is the situation. Situation is, no rules. Invests, he does the right thing for these young ladies, and unfortunately, there's some kind of bad components to this, and we just need to look at them. So the struggle, the internal struggle that we might have, that I think is played out very well in verses 18 through 20, and when they came with us, and they came with well, both father, and he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. And also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. <coughs> and he said unto his daughters, where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? So, the first thing is, he had a mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. His identity, the first impression that, that they had of him was that of an Egyptian. The first impression was that of an Egyptian. Which kind of makes sense. He had been living in Pharaoh's, you know, palace. <coughs> he looked like an Egyptian. He had been raised as an Egyptian. He thought like an Egyptian. So it's not necessarily... Uh, he walked like an Egyptian. Thank you, Jamie. He walked like an Egyptian. Appreciate it. Well, we didn't even coordinate that. Um, just so you know, we do have some Egyptians in our ministry here. I have yet to see them walk like that. Like normal. Give me some of this. Um, thank you. But the first, maybe that was why they thought he was an Egyptian. He walked like this to the water truck. figured out why they're pictured like that. That's that if there's one thing that the uh, 
what a historian, what, are, what people that study uh, archaeologists can figure out is why they drew themselves like that. That just seems so weird to me. Okay, so the first impression of Zion and Egyptian. There are going to be times when I minister to people, maybe even have to you, where the first tendency is to draw back what's your angle. Right? But what I do have to, I still have to invest, I still have to focus on doing it the right way with the right heart. There have been people in this ministry, at this church, that have kind of like, you know, I just wanted to appropriately minister and love on them, have kind of pulled back. I respect that. The easiest illustration, I'm just going to be transparent, the easiest illustration are young girls. Right? So I'm talking to their parents, and I stick out my hand. Maybe I've done this with some of your kids, boys and girls. Stick out my hand to do a fist bump, and they don't want to. And I'm like, okay. Like, I'm not going like, to try to compel you to give me a fist bump. I want them to, I want them to know I respect their boundaries. Okay? But I'll, I'll try. Well, they don't know me, even though their parents may know me well. So they pull back a little bit. That doesn't, that doesn't minimize my attempt to minister righteously or appropriately. I shouldn't get offended at that, right? If I get offended at that, something's wrong with me, right? especially in this example. But sometimes I have invested in people in this room, people that have been in this room, that will be in this room, and the first tendency is to pull back. What's your angle? Why? I'm really being mistaken as an Egyptian. Because they're viewing me through the lens of the flesh, not through the lens of the spirit. That doesn't give me the right to not follow through with the ministry. Okay? Now, of course, we have to protect boundaries. We have to be respectful to people. Right? It doesn't mean... So the next time I'm talking to that same family and that same little girl is standing there, I'll stick out my hand again. Fist bump. If she ever do it, fine. It's okay. I just want her to know she's important. I care about her. She's part of the family unit. We have events in here. We have uh, whole heart fellowship events. Those kids matter to me. Don't give me any right to be offended. Moses had no right to be offended that he is now separating himself from the Egyptians. He's running off into the, to the, to the land of Midian. He's getting a new start in life, and yet his history just keeps following him. Well, it is what it is. You don't get the right to be offended with that. You just don't. You just press on. Notice, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, Jesus prays, but that thou from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus prays this because he knows there will be times that people will attribute, at least in part, will attribute wrong to you for ministering. Just keep ministering. Ephesians 2. And you, this is like literally could have been written about Moses. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You looked like an Egyptian, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You're a murderer, 
among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, because we kill people with our hands, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, because you don't think it's fair, and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Don't be surprised if somebody mistakes your genuine ministry as that, any, anything short of that. Don't be surprised by that. Just keep ministering. Respect boundaries, but just keep ministering. Just keep loving. So, he had a mistaken identity, but we also see that it produced isolation. I had to work a, a, a couple of an alliteration in here. I felt just of the spirit. So, isolation. Despite Moses' intervention, he's literally left alone. There was no party recorded in scripture when he delivers them out of the hands of the cowboy shepherds. From henceforth. Forevermore, when you read this, you'll probably think of cowboy shepherds. I don't know, maybe not. But when he's done, there's no party. They don't drag him back to, the, to their father. Dad, look at the guy that saved us. There will be times when you minister to people and they will get up and they will walk out of your life. In some cases, forever. Now, in this case, we know the rest of the story. He ends up marrying one of these girls, which I think would make a good movie, but that's neither here nor there. There will be, I cannot, I cannot tell you the number of meals, the number of coffees, although I drink tea, the number of warm drinks, the number of hours I've spent with people who have walked away from me. Now, in reality, I think they're kind of walking away from the Lord, and I'm not putting me on that pedestal. I'm just saying I think they're kind of okay with our relationship. They just don't want it where I'm, you know, they don't want it on the terms like of a relationship with God. There are times when we have to minister with some, have to minister, or need, maybe is a better term, need to minister to someone and know that there's a very real possibility they won't be here in a year. Does that free me from the obligation of ministry to them? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Not even, I can't even hold back a, I was going to say hair, but I don't, I don't have that to hold back. I, I can't even hold back a, 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 a little. An atom. An atom. I can't hold back an atom because I do have atoms and molecules. I can't hold back a tiny bit from giving them what I'm supposed to give them in ministry because I think they won't be here. For a few years ago, at the church we were at uh, previously, we, we went to this men's conference every year down at, at, uh, at Windermere, down in Lake of the Ozarks. And, and um, I, at the time, I was responsible for videoing and, and kind of making the production the the, the videos for the next year, kind of the promotional videos. So I'd always video while I was there and then would have it, you know, nine months, ten months come around, we'll start to promote it again. I'd pull that video up and I would start working on it. And every year, including loved ones, there were people gone that were there before, but they weren't going to be there that year because they were gone. For all sorts of reasons. Some of them weren't even walking the face of the earth anymore. 
did that give me any permission to not minister to the people in front of me that year? Not at all. Don't you, and I, I mean this with love, don't you dare minister on terms of conditions to somebody because of what you think they will or won't be in the Lord. You don't, I love you, you are not on the, in the seat of God. You just minister. Moses didn't know what was going to happen. There's no indication. There's no one. He writes, he includes this, this fun, this fun little story about himself. It gets handed down through the, through the history of the nation of Israel in part because it's a wonderful love story that would make a great movie and they should have chocolate covered strawberries included in the movie. Thank you. Was that Rachel? Was that you today? Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> it wasn't even Valentine's Day, but it kind of felt like it. Um, I don't know if you made those or it looks like you made them. Good stuff. Thank you. So where was I going with this? Chocolate covered story. It's an amazing, it's an amazing story of how they meet, but there's, he's like, like they walk away out of his life and the music starts playing and I think a, a tumbleweed rolls across and the wind blows slightly because he's wearing Egyptian stuff and right and maybe there's like a little tear in his eye because they walked just walked away right and he's left all by himself notice in Matthew Jesus there's times when Jesus chose this alone and when he had and, and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up into a mountain apart to pray and when the evening was come he was there alone it's okay it's okay. Even in First Thessalonians, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. If you think that you have to have people around you all the time, and that's the point of ministry, uh, again, out of love, you're kind of missing the point. Minister, some people will leave, some people will stay, just keep pouring in with boundaries. I even I think on your notes and failed to get it up on the up on the slide. Second Timothy four sixteen. It's interesting because in Second Timothy four ten, actually go ahead and turn. We've got time. Turn to Second Timothy four. Second uh, Timothy four. We've got time for this. Second Timothy chapter four. Look in verse nine. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. And verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Literally, Paul has invested in this dude, and this dude has turned around and walked away, which is a little bit, I don't want to call it a pattern, but Paul is not immune to this problem. John Mark turned and walked away at one point. Like, it's going to happen. You just keep investing. And is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Now, there's no reason to believe those guys are, are doing anything wrong. Demas loved this present world, but the Crescens and Titus may, in fact, be ministering. And he says, only Luke is with me. As if maybe Luke isn't enough. But take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to, uh, to Ephesus. 
and the cloak that I've left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee the, and, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. So, I mean, Paul is laying out to Timothy all the dynamics. And look at verse 16. And at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it be not laid to their charge. Paul went through times where he poured himself into people and they turned and walked away and they forsook him or forsook the Lord. But does he stop? No, he keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. So we can learn also from this isolation that despite Moses' intervention, he's left alone. We also see that immediate obedience, him, him doing that ministry doesn't necessarily result in immediate blessing. Again, if you think I'm doing this so I can get something, I would encourage you don't. Don't think that way. Immediate obedience doesn't necessarily result in immediate blessing. 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. To prove it. If, if those of you who are parents in the room, there have probably been times I can remember specifically as a kid, my mom, I, I didn't want to go with her on another stupid errand. They were all stupid. I didn't understand why we needed the stuff we needed. <laughs> but I used the stuff that we needed. Um, and she's like, will you go because I'm your mom and maybe some point you'll be blessed. You'll be, you know, I might get you something, you know. And I was like, okay, I'll go because you're going to get me something. And I don't, I don't know that she ever got me anything after that. I don't feel, I feel like there's a little bit part, my mom's past, but there's just a little part of me. Like she didn't give me bubble gum, nothing. I'm sure she actually did at some point. Like we were walking out of the TGNY. I don't know if anybody else went to a TGNY. But she probably put a nickel or a dime or a whatever in one of those things and turned in a, in a bubble gum machine and turned it. And I got the little pink gum that lasts 30 seconds. Right? You know what I mean? Right? And it was a blessing. I don't tend to remember those because I guess I thought it was like a new car or something. I don't know what I was expecting. But she, she was proving the sincerity of my love. She was proving it. And you've probably done some of those same things. You don't always just pour the blessings on your kids. Sometimes you prove the sincerity of their love. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. There is an eternal reward for this. It doesn't necessarily come on your timeline. It's not an immediate blessing necessarily. Might be. You might. That the 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 one daughter could have could have turned and said, Moses, marry me. But she didn't. Nope. You had your one chance to record it and you missed out. Um, if I do it again, you might want to you might try to record it. And then we can't do that, even though it's the, the wording is recorded or the sound is recorded. But the point is, 
you will be blessed. You will get a reward for this. It's just not on your timing. It's not, it, it's, it's, let me just give you a hint. It's almost never on your timing. Because when you think it's going to be on your timing, God changes it so that you remember it's, it's, he is the giver of gifts. Okay? He is the giver of blessings. So, but he, look, he made an impact. That's our, oops, our, our next word, impact. His actions not only helped them, but literally made them more efficient. Literally made them more efficient because they had to apparently fill the water troughs more than once because they filled it. The cowboy shepherds come in, drive them off. Then they would let them drink the water so they'd have to fill it again. So, and then they get home, right? When they get home, their dad's like, wait a second. How is it that you're home so soon? He literally made them more efficient. Now, this is not just an exercise in efficiency, but when you minister to someone, minister on, and hear me out, their terms, not your terms, okay? It's about blessing them, not about blessing you, right? So he didn't say, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, of a situation or scenario. It wasn't like he changed the rules he just made them more efficient. And he let his actions literally speak for, for themselves. Notice in Luke 6, 43 through uh, 45, For a good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. So literally, the blessing that you provide to someone should flow from you and just be a blessing to them. Just be a blessing. Now, Sam even touched on it in church. Does that mean we just give, give, give without parameters or balance? No. We do have to have balance. We do have to position situations and blessings so they're not enabling something potentially bad or something that is countered biblical, right? There are times when we do have to draw lines and say, I can't help you anymore until you do X, Y, and Z because it's not good for you, right? It's like, it's, it's actually love, believe it or not. So, so this brings us to our second, and did anybody already, already try to figure out Victory principle number two. Anybody try to fill out the blank ahead of time? Uh, Jesus. Right. It's just invest and trust the Lord for the results. Just invest. Because investing means you're taking from that which you have and you're putting it into an account that you may... What, what do they always say? I, I, always, I always think disclaimers are fun. So I used, to wa I used to listen to Royals games a lot when I was mowing and doing things like that. And they would always say at the beginning of the game, right? This broadcast is, a, uh, is content of Major League Baseball. No accounts or descriptions of this uh, game can be, uh, uh, what was it? Oh I, oh, I thought I had it. Um, communicated or disseminated in any, in, any, uh, in any form without the express written uh, consent of Major League Baseball. I'm pretty close. I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> oh, 
Investing. Investing. What do they always say? Like I, like, I got a 401k at work, right? Past performance is not equal future results, right? You can't look at the, like, if this, this fund over here has made a gazillion dollars, like, you can't say, well, I'm going to put my money in that because it's made a gazillion dollars and then get mad if it doesn't. Like, the past performance doesn't necessarily guarantee future results, right? That's an investment. You put the money, you put the ministry where you know it's supposed to go and you trust the Lord that it will build and, and will bring forth fruit, okay? That's by definition an investment. I don't continue to do stuff after I've, I've put some money in a 401k. I don't, I don't fool with it. Like, I don't get to manage that money. That's like, it's almost kind of doesn't even seem like it's mine. I don't know. It's like, it's somebody else's responsibility to manage that money. Just like ministry, I just minister and it's somebody else's responsibility to turn that into blessings. If any flow back on me, praise the Lord. I'm like, like the doctor that delivers the baby. I'm just happy to be there. Like, this is fun. This is a good job when babies are born, right? Just like, just like a wonderful minister who sees marriages restored or sees lives changed or the pattern of direction of some, the inflection point of somebody's life going from wrong to right. <clears throat> Excuse me, the salvation of, an, of a soul. Like, I'm just honored to be there. Just invest and trust the Lord for the results. So there's a, so I'm, I'm going to take a quick, just a really quick side trail for just a second. If you want to take the next slide or two slides and apply them to your life, great. If you don't, that's fine. It's, I'm calling it a ministry practicum real quick. A ministry practicum. So I did the inverse of the coloring. The hireling versus the pastor. This is for developing ministers, people who want, who see themselves as someone who wants to minister. Not necessarily in a full-time job, not necessarily as a pastor, but certainly if you see yourself going that direction, this, you, I would argue that you need this. There are two concepts within this shepherding, the good shepherd, the, the precious moment shepherd, not the cowboy shepherd, the precious moment shepherd. You're either a hireling or you're a pastor. Notice how it, the hireling is described in Job 7. And hireling looketh for the reward of his work. He gets $15 an hour to guard the sheep. And if, the she, if he makes it an hour, he gets his 15 bucks. If he works eight hours, I can't do that math real quick. Does he get like 100 bucks or something? I don't know. $120 at the end of his shift. But does a hireling care about the lives of the sheep? Not particularly. What's the hireling doing? He's working a J-O-B, which is why it's in the book of Job. <laughs> See what I did there? All right. Not really. For anybody listening, that was a joke. Um, okay. So Jeremiah 3.15, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which, will, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Are they working a J-O-B? No. They see it as their responsibility to invest in the flock. And the blessing comes from the growth and the protection 
and the fruit of the flock. Not because I'm getting the $15 an hour. That's a hireling. Notice in John, uh, John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, so he didn't own the sheep, he's just working, right? When, he, that, when the hireling seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep, because, well, I don't want to get bit by a wolf. So if I'm a hireling, this J-O-B isn't worth it. They don't pay me enough to fight wolves. I'm out. I'll go get a job somewhere else. Right? He leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, the sheep, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's a hireling and careth not for the sheep. There are pastors that sit on this kind of national stage, and when their church crumbles, they just scatter because they're a hireling. They don't care about the lives of their sheep. Their sheep are a means to an end. Please, developing leaders, developing pastors, developing ministers, do not be a hireling. This is not about the blessings you get from the job. That is literally why I joke, and I do joke, about the attendance in here, and I get, I get bonus, I get double pay if we get 40 people, because I don't get a single dime from this ministry. And I, I, I really kind of like it that way, because there's no chance that it can undo the investment that I'm making. Like, there's no chance that it's going to undo at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm doing because I love Brings us to the victory. He says unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you've left the man? Call him that he, may, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Notice, after ministry, some point after, we don't even actually know how long, it seems like, the immediate benefit, this food, probably was a few minutes, maybe a few hours, right? They get home, they get their sheep home, interaction with dad, they go back out, they have to find him, they have to bring him. Maybe a few hours, there's an immediate blessing. The short term is he ends up being, having a place now to dwell because he just did the right thing. And the long term, he ends up with a wife and a child because he did the right thing. Uh, the contrast to Job 42 is, I think, pretty amazing. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when? When he prayed for his friends. So there was this, all this back and forth. There was a great debate. Be careful of people that love to debate, by the way. He, debate. And, he, and then ultimately, and, and down, I think it's a verse, I don't remember which verse. And, and he did eat bread, uh, and did eat bread with him in his house. Every man gave, uh, also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. The parallel to here is with Job is, is kind of amazing. When Moses kind of comes to the end of himself, and I might be overselling that a little bit, but he's not thinking of himself in that moment. He's thinking of what's the wrong that is happening to these young ladies, and he stands up the right way. We looked at that last week. Stands up the right way, does the right thing, for what we're looking at this week, the right reasons, then he's blessed. 
then he's blessed. I am, I, I can't guarantee it, but I'm pretty darn sure, I've already alluded to it, I maybe already said it, Moses didn't think as he's driving the cowboys away, maybe I'm supposed to marry one of these girls. Probably didn't think that. This is the mother of my children. He just did the right thing, the right way, for the right reasons, and he trusted the rest to God. So it brings us to our last victory principle. The Lord will bless in his timing, and his timing and for his purpose. All of this seems to flow out of Moses' willingness to step in, to, to right the wrong, but not the same way he did in Egypt. He righted the wrong in Egypt by doing a wrong. Killed the dude. He righted the wrong in the land of Midian by doing a right. Saw that last week. But he did it for the right reasons. And the Lord blesses him out of that. Ministers, when you... Look, all of us in this room. When you minister to each other, when you encourage each other, when you love on each other with the, in the right ways and the right perspectives, the Lord will bless you. But don't do it because you need a little X or because you're hoping to get a little Y or because of this or whatever. Like, just minister. Just minister. He's worth it. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind the Lord blesses in way, like, like he just, he, it just comes out of left field and you get a blessing. And it's good stuff. And sometimes you'll even know why. Sometimes you'll, you'll even, whether through the, through the convicting of the Holy Spirit or through the actual communication of the blessing, you'll understand why you're being blessed. Because you were faithful over here, the Lord has blessed you at his timing and for his purpose. And in his way, by the way, doesn't always equal a check arriving in the mail. He will bless you the way he sees fit. And it is always the right way. It's always the right way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for paying properly to us. That you, you literally withhold from us that which we desire sometimes in blessing so that we can be reminded that good gifts come from you. Lord, thank you for, for seeing a big enough picture that we can trust you for it. It is good. You are good. We thank you. And, and Lord, I know, I know that there's enough people in this room today in enough places in their spiritual walk where they, not everybody's got this figured out. Not everybody's had the experiences. Not everybody even understands the, the message from this perspective. But Lord, I just pray that you teach us and grow us individually as we are so that we understand. Give us opportunities just to, to, to bless and invest with nothing in return. And then just be surprised by the blessing when it comes. Lord, I thank you so much for being a good, loving father. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share my heart. And uh, Lord, thank you for Gabrielle and Jorge being in here today as they just even prepare for uh, the next phase of their development and ministry and as they plan uh, to, to head to Boston and, and take in different ministries to get perspective. Lord, I, I appreciate them so much and, and love them. And I just pray your hand of blessing on them as, the, as they're going through that process. Thank you for each and every person that was here today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
So you all are welcome to stay for a little bit and hang